Welcome back to the Nutrition Unmeasured podcast. The sponsor for today's episode, well, it's me. My personal intuitive eating and wellness program allow me to be your personal coach through the 10 principles of intuitive eating. During this journey, you'll receive a workbook to have throughout, a helpful body positivity journal, access to me at any time, and bi-weekly one-on-one calls to keep you accountable to yourself and motivated to change and find peace with food and your body. Before getting started today, I'd love to ask for a review if you're really enjoying this podcast. Reviews only take a few seconds, and of course, uh, I'd appreciate it because it would help me grow the listenership. So thank you. All right, just some updates since last time. Well, it's been Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was... I don't know what went off without a hitch, I would say. I'm very thankful for my husband who did most of the work. I did a lot of the, you know, um, being a good host and getting the drinks and engaging in conversation. And then my poor husband was the one who actually does enjoy this very much, but he was the one that was doing all the cooking and the prepping. And he had my mom as the sous chef on the side helping him out, which was lovely. Uh, So, yeah, the thing about my family is that neither Nick or I have siblings that have younger kids. So it's always just my kids kind of on their own as they typically are just together making each other angry. Right. So there weren't really any other kids to keep them entertained. So we had to do some things there. Uh, So my my brother is 27 years old. So he has no kids at this point. And then Nick's siblings. Well, one of them is significantly older. So her kids are older. And then he's got one closer to his age, but she lives in North Carolina. What a bummer. She does have a son. So when they get together, that's fun. But yeah, for Thanksgiving, usually it's just my kids entertaining themselves. So I did, you know, I did some work. I certainly helped clean the house and then clean up afterwards. But Nick was the star. He made the the turkey and the stuffing. And then we very much delegated all of the sides and the desserts to everyone else, which I, I highly recommend if you are ever planning um, an event. I'm a, a big fan of delegating. <laughs> so yes, it was it was great. And I'm curious now that the holidays are here. What are your kids' hot ticket items this Christmas? I would love for you to reach out to me on Instagram at Nutrition Unmeasured and let me know what your kids are asking for. Uh, and also, what are your traditions that you've been engaging in or are looking forward to? Uh, I will say a big tradition for us. Um, well, we have lots. We we definitely do Meals on Wheels most holidays and actually throughout the year. Uh, but we're not doing it until January this year for a variety of reasons. But that's a good tradition that we usually have. We typically will take one night and just drive around our little suburb because, oh my gosh, the lights, the, the things that people do to their houses is just unreal. I, I can't even imagine the money they spend um, on electricity and or having someone set up their lights display around our house, or around our neighborhood, I should say. So we always take one night to uh, just listen to music, Christmas music, holiday music, and drive around and look at the, the beauty of uh, where we live. Um, oh, and we also usually have a day of cookie decorating and waffle cone making. Little thing about me, I used to work at Grader's Ice Cream, which is out of Cincinnati, Ohio, but they also have them in Columbus, I, be- I believe also Cleveland, and you can probably get Grader's Ice Cream other places around the country. It is by far the best ice cream in America, if not beyond. Uh, I've just never had ice cream anywhere else. So huge fan. I used to work there. I would always make waffle cones because that was what part of our job was to make waffle cones. And I kind of fell in love with it. And so I bought a waffle cone maker. And now every year 
we make waffle cones and give them out as gifts with a little gift card to creators. So that's a little tradition that we have as well. All right, let's move on to the topic of today, and that is five myths about intuitive eating. All right, we're going to start with myth one. Intuitive eating throws nutrition out the window and allows you to eat whatever you want, whenever you want it. So here's the thing. Yes and no. Yes, you can eat whatever you want. That's the point. Or I should say that's one of the points. Um, And at first, you might find that what you are eating doesn't feel very balanced. And this is going to be especially true if you've been restricting for a while or if you've been doing a lot of diets and putting a lot of your favorite foods on the do not eat list. Uh, So give it time and trust and patience. And over time, the balance really comes naturally without it being a rule, right? Um, So nutrition may not be considered at first in an intuitive eating journey, but after really putting in the work to ditch diets, listen to and honor your body's needs, and choose foods that you actually enjoy and find satisfying, nutrition will ultimately play an important role. So yes, absolutely, with intuitive eating, a big part of it, especially at the beginning, is eat whatever you want. Um, And that can be very scary, which I'll talk about here in in another one of those myths. But over time, it ends up that you will eat more balanced and in moderation, but not because it's a rule or something that you, quote unquote, have to do. But it's because you've listened to your body and your body is leading the way. And that's just what's naturally happening. Okay, myth number two, intuitive eating is the hunger fullness diet. It can be easy to get sucked into turning intuitive eating into a diet with rules, right? That feels very safe. And you may even say it feels comforting. And that's why diets are such a draw, right? With rules and regulations and such, it can feel very safe and rewarding to be on a diet at first, at least. So, of course, when you start an intuitive eating journey and start to learn about hunger and fullness, it may seem almost natural to start creating rules for yourself, such as I should only eat when I'm hungry or I should always stop when I'm full. But the reality is there's so many reasons we eat that have nothing to do with hunger. And while, yes, intuitive eaters are most often eating because they are hungry physically, it's definitely not a rule that when broken makes one a failure. So let's consider sometimes we may eat when not hunger, hungry. And so there's three different types of hunger that I'm gonna describe to you right now. The first one is practical hunger. I definitely engage in this uh, pretty often where I might not necessarily be hungry, but I know that I have you know a big meeting coming up that will last a while. And I'm not going to be able to eat during that time or I'm running errands and I'm, I'm not going to be around food or something. Something's coming up in the next hour or two where I'm not going to be around food and I'm probably going to get hungry at a, at a point during that time and I'm not going to be able to eat. And in order to prevent that primal hunger, that intense hunger that I um, that that primal urge to get around food, but you can't because you're in a meeting or you're doing something else. It might practically at times make sense to eat something first, even if you don't have physical hunger at the time. 
So eating uh, a lunch early because you know that during your typical lunchtime or when you typically get hungry, you're not going to have food available to you. So that is practical hunger. Then there's something called taste hunger because as humans, it is completely fine to maybe be somewhere and someone offers you something that just really sounds good, sounds satisfying and tasty, even though you aren't physically hungry. And that's okay. You have permission to do that. Um, so that's that, that is going to happen from time to time. You're not going to be hungry, but something sounds good. Someone offers you something and you legitimately want to try it or to eat it. By all means, do it. And then there's emotional hunger. At times, we choose to eat food because of certain emotions. Now, I will say, if this is something that you are doing often, or if eating or food is your main tool for handling strong emotions, that is definitely something that I would work on with you as your intuitive eating coach. And I might also suggest getting a therapist to help work through that as well. But it's still okay to eat emotionally um, from time to time. And it's actually very normal. You know, when you are celebrating uh, a wedding or celebrating uh, something that someone has done or even mourning a loss, there are definitely times when we eat or we choose to be surrounded by food uh, as a way to celebrate uh, a win or mourn a loss. And this is happening almost constantly. Uh, right? And it's completely okay. Or again, you know, maybe there's a time when you're sick and you have no appetite, you have no hunger. This is more this is more like practical hunger. And practically speaking, you know you should eat. But also maybe emotionally, you know that when you were a kid, you used to eat chicken noodle soup to make you feel better. So practically speaking, I'm going to eat that, that chicken noodle soup even though I'm not hungry, even though I don't feel great. But also I know it will give me that emotional... Um, just feel good emotionally and mentally and give me that nostalgic uh, feeling that I need right now when I'm feeling down or sick. So what about fullness? By making it a rule to eat only to comfort or comfortable fullness, that just stirs up a lot of guilt when we as humans inevitably eat past comfort. Even the most intuitive of eaters eat past comfort at times. It's part of life. You know, certainly working on getting in touch with what comfortable fullness feels like is a big part of intuitive eating, but it's not a rule that must be followed. Lastly, I want to make it clear that hunger and fullness are only two parts of an intuitive eating journey. There is so much more that goes into working towards becoming an intuitive eater. And of course, if you're interested in learning more, you know where to find the link uh, to work with me. All right, myth three, not everyone can be an intuitive eater and be healthy at the same time. <sighs> so the idea of giving yourself unconditional permission to eat, you know, which is a big part of intuitive eating, it may conjure up some pretty interesting images. Your favorite foods are ice cream and pizza. So clearly as an intuitive eater, that's all you will eat. Wrong. What tends to happen on an intuitive eating journey is that because there are no longer any rules or messages such as eat in moderation or eat only with balance, you don't have the pressure to do so. And then it just happens naturally. Okay, certainly there will be some people who go through an intuitive eating journey but never have a desire for fruits and vegetables. 
But that's not because of the intuitive eating. (laughs) That has to do with preference and exposure. Some people just don't like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, the things that you might consider more nutritious. But I would argue even the pickiest of people can still name a handful of produce or whole grains that they would eat and actually enjoy. Intuitive eater or not, there will be some that adhere to a more nutrient-dense eating pattern than others. It doesn't mean they aren't healthy if what they eat isn't quote-unquote balanced or always quote-unquote nutritious. And I would also argue that having a healthy relationship with food and your body is more important for our health than simply eating healthy foods because you think you should. All right, myth number four. You can track macros, etc., and do intuitive eating work at the same time. I will say, this is what I see on social media, specifically Instagram, quite a lot. People touting that they are pro-intuitive eating, and oftentimes these are dietitians too, but they still help their clients track. I gotta say, I get very confused by this. Tracking is not intuitive. So, When I begin working with someone on an intuitive eating journey, I never tell them to stop tracking. So if they're tracking, the the last thing I'm going to do is say, stop tracking. Why? Why why would I not do that? The reason is it's because it's not helpful for me to tell them to stop. I need them to figure it out on their own. I need them to identify how and why tracking is not serving a meaningful purpose in their life. So as an intuitive eating coach, I'm trying to help people see the difference between those external cues of what and how much to eat and internal cues. So external cues may be the time on the clock, the number on the scale, tracking calories or macros, etc. Internal cues are our hunger and fullness cues, but also our desire to eat certain foods. When we're tracking, it's virtually impossible to be intuitive in our choices. When we're tracking, we are making decisions on what or how much to eat based on what we have left in our calorie or macro bank for that day or even for that week, not based on how we feel or what sounds good in the moment. Myth number five, if I'm not happy with the way my body looks, intuitive eating is not for me. As you go through the journey of intuitive eating, you learn to make peace with your body. It does not happen overnight and it's not easy. But as we make peace with food and we start to listen to our body more and trust our body more, acceptance becomes almost natural. Body acceptance, as discussed in a previous episode, which I will link in the show notes, it does not mean throwing in the towel and giving up on your body. But instead, it means no longer resisting your body. Many people start an intuitive eating journey because they're sick and tired of trying to control their body with food and exercise to be left feeling more unhappy than they did when they started. If you aren't happy with the way your body looks, I would argue intuitive eating is not only a good place path to choose, but it's one of the best paths to choose. I would also add that for many, if not all, honestly, I I think that having a therapist along with an intuitive eating coach is imperative to help shift your cognition 
towards a more positive outlook on your body. Oh, what do you know? I've added a sixth myth. So, you know, scrap scrap the, the five myths. I've added one more. I think it's important. And that's this. If I like structure and goal setting, intuitive eating won't work for me. Okay. It's true that the structure of dieting can be very comforting at the beginning because it leaves you feeling in control. That is until you're not. The beauty of intuitive eating is that no, it no longer requires that structure and control. And it helps you let go of the idea that that is what you need to be healthy, control. I once read in a book, Reclaiming Body Trust, which I'll link in the show notes, that control is the lie. In other words, we've been sold this idea that we have complete control over our body size and shape and that it is our job to control it. But the reality is our bodies will do what they want and our job is to listen to them, trust them, and hand over the control. Handing over some of the control and structure to your body can be incredibly scary, but boy, is it also incredibly freeing. Okay, that was my top, not five, but six myths um, regarding intuitive eating and intuitive eating work. Now, as always, I'm going to end with a favorite new product or recipe. Today's a recipe. I am all about simple dinner prep, especially because that is my typically most stressful time of the day, dinner, trying to get dinner, uh, you know, on the plate, on the table for my kids before they go to whatever event they're going to. It's just, it's very stressful, especially because my kids are in a very choosy time of their life where they honestly barely eat anything that I make. But there is one thing that I make that they almost always will eat, and that is shrimp scampi. And I have put a recipe in the show notes that I like, and it is from allrecipes.com. It is one of my favorites. It is very simple. And yesterday I made it with scallops instead of shrimp. And okay, they did not eat the scallops, I'll be honest, but they still loved the scampi. It didn't bother them that the scallops were in there, but I thought it was a nice change up from shrimp because I feel like we were always eating shrimp. So that was exposure, probably five for them of scallops. One day, I think that they will they will eat scallops and love them as much as I do, but I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. So shrimp scampi, you can use scallops. You can use other fish if you want, but I put my favorite simple recipe in the show notes. All right, that's it for today. I'm so excited. Coming up on January 1st, I will be talking about alcohol and whether giving up alcohol is intuitive with a friend and colleague, Sumner Brooks. Until then, treat yourself with the respect you deserve, be the best friend you've always wanted, and reach out to me at any time on Instagram at nutritionunmeasured or via email at trustyourbodyrd.com.